At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy a great tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions. How are you? How are you? We, you know, <laughs> just going to admit it, <laughs> we haven't done an episode in a few weeks. I'm a little rusty. I need to warm up my voice. Uh, you going to like do some chords here? Yeah, I, I think I should. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> just a little rusty. We haven't podcasted in a while. No, we haven't. Uh, I think the last time we podcasted uh, was right before the Ivy League tournament. We said we would see you at the Ivy League tournament, and I'm sure we saw some of you. However... <laughs> We did not record an episode uh, <laughs> since then, and a lot has happened since then. So, so much has happened. We're since here then. to talk about it. I feel like a whole different person. Like that seemed like forever ago, but it was only just a couple weeks ago. That's right. But yeah, we're here to talk about it, recap it. That's right. And in case you don't know by now, that's Aaliyah Funshell. <laughs> I'm Kyle Matrician. I thought they thought I was Matt for a second. Uh, yeah, that's why I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to make sure. Yeah. Everybody knew. Yep. Now they do. Uh, we're here to talk about. Columbia women's basketball, 24 and 6 overall. I don't, I don't know if we should. We'll still mention the Ivy League record, even though there are no more Ivy League games to be played, but went 12 and 2 in the Ivy League season. Uh, advanced to the Ivy League tournament, which was the weekend of March 11th and 12th. How many days ago was that now, Leon? That was 10, 10 days ago. Wow. Yeah. Oh, it actually feels like it was longer than that. Yeah, yeah. it feels like a month yeah. ago. Uh, had. An amazing semifinal game. As I as I said that day, I was like, I feel like this game was just a celebration of everything they accomplished this oh, season. Oh, one hundred percent. It was the most fun I've ever had in yeah. game. So good. Uh went up twenty two to five on Yale at the end of the first quarter. Uh capped by the Abby Shoe four point play, which I'm sure anyone <laughs> listening to this podcast has seen by now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and just absolutely rolled to a 67-38 victory in the Ivy League semifinals. That uh, was a good day for the Columbia women's basketball. Went into the locker room, celebrated advancing to their first championship game. Aaliyah, you were there. I was there. <laughs> As I've mentioned. As you've mentioned. <laughs> multiple times. <laughs> it was so fun. It was. It was a great day uh, for the Lions. Advanced, like we said, to their first Ivy League championship game. Played Princeton in the title game. Uh, I will say the most competitive game between Columbia and Princeton this season. Oh, 100%. Uh, 16, I mean, the first quarter was a huge problem the, the, both times I played them in the regular season. 16-16, to 16, a very hard-fought uh, battle first quarter. And then second quarter, you know, I think Columbia actually had a lead there early in the second quarter. And then uh, Coach Griffith has mentioned this several times, I think post-game press conferences and stuff like that. They they had they went on a drought where they turned it over on eight out of twelve possessions and that led to a twenty one to nine second quarter for Princeton. 
Uh, they battled through the third, third and fourth quarter. They cut it to eight. I think Kitty Henderson on a on a and one three point play, something like that. Uh, cut it to eight there early in the fourth quarter. Really, I mean, gave Princeton a game, but at the end of the day, Princeton uh, came away with the win. Uh, its final score was seventy seven fifty nine, but the game was much closer mm-hmm. than the final score yeah. indicated. Um, and Prince, you know, Columbia, you know that that ended their hopes at an Ivy League title this season, but. As we know now, the season went on. It did. Advanced got the at, got the auto bid to the WNIT by virtue of being the best available team out of the Ivy League. Princeton obviously going to the NCAA tournament. Pulled off the upset against Kentucky. They pulled I might off add. the upset against Kentucky. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Ivy League, Ivy League women's basketball is having quite a postseason right yeah, now. Yeah, they are. Uh, Although Princeton plays tonight of <laughs> this podcast, so we don't know how they're going to do against Indiana. That's true. Uh, but uh, we are 2-0 in this postseason in the WNIT. The Lions uh, hosted Holy Cross, got a home game in the first round of the WNIT, which was March 16th. It was last Wednesday? Yeah, it was a week ago. It was ago, a Wednesday, yeah. yeah. Uh, March 16th, they they defeated, hold, led most of the game and defeated Holy Cross 80-69. to uh, Had a nice nice crowd here. Uh, it was it was spring break, so not as many students here as normally would be yeah. for a Columbia women's basketball game. But still, still a nice crowd. Still impressed crowd was considering it, it oh, was yeah. the middle of spring break. It was the middle of spring break, yeah. so definitely, definitely a pretty nice crowd. Some Holy Cross fans here as well, so it gave you a little bit of that postseason tournament atmosphere with mm-hmm. the with the away fa- fans cheering and the home fans cheering. You know, kind of. Yeah. I feel like it kind of builds up the intensity of the game. When, oh when yeah, kind of thing happens. Yeah, that was cool. It definitely felt like a postseason game. Yep. Abby Shue broke two records in that game. Abby Shue. Two She's records. Incredible. Uh, she broke the Ivy League single season record for made three-pointers with, uh, she now has, well, she at the end of that game, she had 102. Now she has 105 after the Old Dominion, which we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, she had, I mean, and it was an impressive performance by the team and by her. She went five of nine from three in that game. Uh, she also broke, as a sophomore, the <laughs> Columbia women's basketball career record for made threes, and I believe she now sits at 170, and again, she's not even done with her sophomore season, so by the time she's done, uh, we could be looking at you know where she'll rank in NCAA history at, at that point. At this point, people here at Columbia aren't going to say, like, oh, that's Curry range. They're going to be like, that's absolutely <laughs> that, yeah. <laughs> she She can just pull up from anywhere with just, like, so much not not just confidence but just it's so nonchalant to her and even yep. after she makes it she's like almost like a little shrug like yeah yep. i knew i was gonna make that so i she just it yep. it amazes me there's been a lot documented about abby Shearn, a lot that i've seen on social media i've seen i've seen a lot of people that knew her in high school or maybe some high school coaches say you know she wouldn't leave the gym until she made 10 threes in a row or something like wow. that when she was in high i mean i mean but that's the kind of dedication it takes to be as good of a shooter as you need to be at this level, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, 100%. If you want to be great. And obviously, there's a really good team around her. Uh, Caitlin Davis, first team All-Ivy League. I think that's new since we last podcasted. Yeah, it is. Uh, Abby Shue, second team All-Ivy League. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> I was going for the moment of silence, oh. but sure, throw in the boo. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, and then you have other, obviously people that have come into form here late in the season and Jada Patrick, right? Big playmaker. Jada yep. Patrick tied Columbia's single game record for steals in uh, the most recent win, which we'll now talk about the round two win against old dominion 62 59 on the road. 
in Norfolk, Virginia. The team had to spend 14 hours on a bus this past weekend, seven hours there on Saturday, played Sunday at seven hours back. They may have spent more time on the bus than they actually spent in Norfolk, I think. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. That is crazy. But, uh, you know, I, I really, a really gritty win mm-hmm. against an Old Dominion team that is very different, I think, from anybody who we've played this year. Yeah, they were they looked really physical yes. too. And it was a very physical game. Yeah. Um and they what's so interesting about that team, and I saw this when I was watching the Old Dominion Towson game, is that they, they're not a good three point shooting team, but they will pull up anywhere in the mid range and uh-huh. just knock down it's it seems like That's it seems so like that a, any shot you know it's like they they'll they'll start to drive the lane pull up knock down like a 15 footer 14 some like footer, old school nba turn action around. i mean it was it was, it seemed like every player on that team that was their range you wow. know uh-huh uh <laughs> but like a, a very athletic team columbia had struggled in the first quarter uh, i think with old dominion size a little bit I think uh, Brianna Jackson uh, got down low on them a few times. I think I think the like the first four ba- buckets that Old Dominion scored in that first quarter were all like it felt like it was the same play. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always the same player, but it was just like they got the ball down low to one of their big posts, and she just kind of backed backed us down and mm-hmm. put a bucket in. So had to make an adjustment. Columbia missed, uh, you know, ha- created some open looks in that first quarter, just really couldn't get anything to fall. But then they weathered that storm. Two big threes at the end of that quarter by Hannah Pratt and Abby Shue to make it 12-11. I know it was 15-11 by the time the first quarter ended because they got fouled on a three-point. Three mm-hmm. point but you could just tell, okay, I, we had our bad stretch. We survived it. We're only down four. Yeah. So you knew the run was coming. And it came oh, pretty immediately. It did. <laughs> it was. I think it took everyone by surprise, especially Old Dominion. But like I was just like, oh, okay, if they're doing this. Yeah. Yep. Hannah and Abby hit those threes at the end of the first quarter, and it felt like the team saw those go down, and they were like, okay, mm-hmm. here we go. Uh, I, I forget what the run – I think they started the second quarter on a 14-5 to run, I want to wow. say. Um, outscored Old Dominion 16-8 to in the quarter to take a four-point lead into halftime. Uh, pushed the lead to double digits for the first time in the third quarter. Went up 11 at one point. Old Dominion makes a run. It's now – Gosh, I feel like it was a it was like a four point game or something like that, a f- three four point game going to the fourth quarter, and there was like there was I I feel like this was the turning point of the game in terms of the intensity of the crowd, mm-hmm. the balls going out of bounds, Carly Rivera's running over there to go save it. It literally happened right in front of my face from where I was sitting. She grabs the ball as she's about to fall out of bounds, looks to her right, yells to the official timeout as she's falling. Oh my out of gosh. Bounds. Get the official grants the timeout. The Old Dominion crowd is not happy about that. They thought she went out of bounds before she called timeout, but mm-hmm. I like, couldn't see where Carly's feet were from where I was. But it looked like she got the timeout called in time. To yeah, me, to yeah. Me. Uh, and then Old Dominion's coach winds up getting a technical foul, you know, because of, for arguing it. They kind of, you know, I, they, I don't know if they said the magic words or what happened there, mm-hmm. but which which turned out to be very crucial <laughs> in that game. <laughs> Hannah Pratt hits both the technical foul free throws. Uh, looked like we were about to ride out a win there, up eight with 43 <laughs> seconds left. But uh, we took we took everybody on a ride there the last 43 seconds. Yeah, uh, I was very <laughs> sure yeah. you were sitting on the edge of your seat. Yeah, uh, Old Dominion scored at seven quick points there, and they made it a one point game. But thankfully, Nicole Stevens, Jada Patrick hit enough free throws, and the defense made two crucial stops there in the last couple seconds. Those stops were hu- very impressive, yep. but they were. 
they're huge because yep. that could have went a different way. Oh, yeah. Walked out of there with the win, and now on to the Sweet 16. The next, yeah. Round three of the WNIT. So, I mean, that's, I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to keep all that, but that's everything that happened. That's, <laughs> that was a great recap, and I watched the whole game, and I was still like, oh, wow. Yeah. What, tell me more what happened, <laughs> even though I saw the whole thing play out. But, no, that was good. All right. Uh, but we didn't even mention, we didn't even mention who we're talking to this week. Our special guest. Our special guest. Just for our listeners, um, I pretty much forced Kyle to tell me who it was because he told me we had a surprise guest. I wanted it guest. to be a surprise yeah. to her, but. I, I'm just like too pesky with it. I was like, tell me. And I was guessing. And he's like, this is your last guess. And then I go into the office. I'm like, just tell me who it is. So it's head coach Megan Griffith, as I'm sure anybody listening to this podcast knows by now because they read the caption. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we'll be joined by Coach Griffith. She's going to hang out with us for a little while. Talk talk about it all. Talk about the success of the team this season. I'm sure Lee is going to have some fun questions for her. Fun questions. I see what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, but with that being said, we'll head to break, and when we come back, we're going to be joined by Coach Griffith. Jag One Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. With state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities, allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The Jag One team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jagonept.com. That's J-A-G-O-N-E-P-T.com for more information. Make a brilliant move to Vandewater, luxury condominium residences in Morningside Heists. Discover an elevated approach to city living, a modern homage to old world elegance, breathtaking views of the Hudson River, Columbia University, and Riverside Church. Visit thevandewater.com today for more information. That's T-H-E-V-A-N-D-E-W-A-T-E-R.com. Welcome back. As we said in our intro, very special episode this week. We know we were off for a few weeks, but now we've uh, been able to get back together and put an episode together for you. And we've got the head women's basketball coach right here at Columbia, Megan Griffith. Meg, good to see you. Kyle, it is great to be here. Excited. Thanks for coming on today. This is exciting. Absolutely. I'm ready to go. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. As I'm sure most of our listeners know, women's <laughs> basketball has advanced to the Sweet 16 of the WNIT with uh, two victories so far. They had a home game in round one where they defeated Holy Cross 80-69, to and then they went on the road, a little short notice, <laughs> went on the road, a seven-hour bus ride to Norfolk, Virginia, uh, and defeated a very tough, athletic Old Dominion team, uh, 62-59. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, like we said, well, we are currently awaiting. When this podcast goes up, we will know who we're playing and where mm-hmm. we're playing. But right now, while we're talking, we don't know. That's true. We're at the mercy of the WNIT. Right we now. are at the mercy. <laughs> but we do know it's either Boston College or Quinnipiac. But, Meg, let's just, let's just talk so far. 24-6. and six. Is that what you envisioned coming into this year? I mean, I feel like you probably don't project out that far. Yeah, no, I, you know, honestly, I was just hoping more response-driven focus for our team versus outcome-driven. And I do think if you focus on the right things in the process that the outcomes are going to line up the way um, by how you prepare. So honestly, it's been a, a true pleasure this season. Like we've just have a really special group of players, staff, 
support staff um, and the athletic department rallying behind us. And honestly, it's, it's again, it's been really, it's been really special. You know, I don't know if I knew this was going to be this year, but I'm, I'm grateful that we're here and, you know, we're ready to keep rolling. Do you feel like the first half of the season, uh, you know, obviously we won a lot of games in the non-conference season, mm-hmm. had some big wins, uh, but I feel like the pieces have started to fall. Like you're such a different team right now than you were the first half of the season. For sure. For sure. Uh, and the pieces really started to fall into place there in January to kind of take the shape of what the team is now, right? Mm-hmm. Is this the team you envisioned or did you did you just kind of, you know, you take it one day at a time, I'm sure, and you when you go to practice and you know, the the best players that, you know, everybody who improves and the best players that step up, those are the ones that eventually see, you know, the minutes in your team kind of take shape. But is this where you envisioned the team when you started in, let's see, October? Partially. I would say that this is where we hoped we would get to as a program, but you, there's so many, so much uncertainty with when you have new pieces. And even with your returning pieces, having the year away from each other, a lot of change took place that, you know, we didn't even know... Um, happened you know or that would affect our program so i would just say like i knew we had the right people here it was just a matter of like finding the right chemistry and cohesion amongst that group and i do think that we're finally at a place where we know what to expect from each other um but we're also we haven't quite peaked yet so that's what's exciting about what's left of this season is that as we're trying to figure it out our players are very locked in to bring in their best every day so that we can keep figuring that out what kind of responses um, have you seen from the players? I mean, this is all, all of their first times playing postseason basketball. Mm-hmm. So what's their response been to, you know, this unchartered territory? You know, they've they've done a really great job handling it. It's been a lot of up and downs, a lot of uncertainty, um, you know, and, and I think that honestly, like they've just they want to win. And that's a, if we all have the same why at, you know, that's driving us individually and collectively that they're going to trust the decisions that are being made and they're going to trust each other and they're going to lay it all out there. And that's something that this group has done really well is, is trust. And, and that's not easy to do, especially coming off the year we all just had and with new pieces and new faces. So I would just say our trust is at a really high level amongst this group. And I think that's been a large part of our success. Well, I don't want to skip ahead, but... Oh, but you are. <laughs> Can we just talk about that game the other night, though, that you just won? It w- I was at the edge of my seat. I didn't get to travel with you guys this time. Old, but talking about Old Dominion? Yes, and yeah. so that trust in the teammates, I mean, it came down to the wire. So how did you see that play out in that game? Yeah, we just had to keep it interesting. Um, we joked Meg, about that. I don't that. know how many times you've said it. She's literally... I feel like so many games with about two minutes left in the fourth quarter, you just look at me at the other side of the table, you're like, we just like to make it interesting. Just just trying to keep the fans engaged and excited. Yeah, no, it's, you know, we talked a lot about um, recently, like playing four quarters, right? And I do think our team is starting to put that together on a more consistent basis. Earlier in the year, that just wasn't, we weren't ready, right? We just mm-hmm. hadn't played in over a year. It had been a long time. Again, we were trying to figure out our identity. Um, but now I do have a lot of trust in them that even in moments of adversity, like we can figure things out and we'll keep battling till the very end. Um, so yeah, that last couple minutes, uh, Caitlin Davis put us on a joy ride, I think, uh, <laughs> with some of her decisions, but she was also a huge reason we were even in that position. So, you know, I just, I just think that our team, like when we look at each other and we like look each other in the eye in those moments, like there really isn't a lot of doubt that I see. And, and that's something that's a testament to my staff. They've done a great job preparing them. How do you make the players kind of have a short memory when they do make a mistake and it's in those clutch moments where they need they just need to forget it and move on but not make the same mistake twice? How how do you coach through that? We talk a lot about next play mentality and just 
like what happened has happened. You cannot change the past, right? And again, what is your response to what just happened? So again, coming back to like that response-driven focus, um, we've been talking about it all year. So it's not like it's something we're now just bringing up in moments of adversity. And we've tried to provide a lot of adversity throughout the season. Uh, I do think with a lot of the way our games have gone, they've had these opportunities to learn from those mistakes or learn from those moments of adversity. So I do think we're positioned in a well in a good place to be ready. Let's, uh, I don't know, maybe put you on the hot seat for a second. Who, who would you rather play? I mean, Ooh. well, no, BC. I mean, I'm sure you've looked at some film of BC yes. and Quinnipiac. Yes, yes, yes. Well, they're both two really good teams. I, I mean, I think their coaches both do a really nice job, um, Joanne and Trisha. And, and Trisha, you know, I know, um, you know, she's had a lot of winning success there. And Joanne has too. BC, she's, tr- she's still turning around. But I think they coach both their teams extremely well. Their players play hard for them. Uh, so I don't, I, I don't know if I'd rather play one team or the other. Honestly, I love the opportunity just to be in the Sweet 16 with either of them, um, and I will make sure we are as prepared as possible. Well, what, a, what an answer. What an <laughs> answer. As a PR person, I'm proud. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know, obviously, we have a little bit of it. You have a little bit of a history with BC, and I think when we beat them, that was before the change of the coaching yes, staff? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. We beat them. still there, yeah. We beat them here on Education Day, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, was it the next year that we went up there? Yes, yes, yeah. so th- and that's when the, the coaching change that happened. That was the coaching So we, we beat them okay. here on Education Day. We went up there, and I believe it was a 15-point loss uh, with a very young team that we had. That was, that was... Michaela Markham-Sanadur, that whole class. They were only freshmen, yep. and we were starting three or four of them. I think that may have been we were starting four of them. And, uh, yeah, you know, I think like even Joanne afterwards was like, you guys are going to be tough. And, you know, in that moment I was like, we're going to be okay. Right. Like we're going to be okay. We just go up and lose an ACC team by 15 on their court, um, with a young roster. It was really just the beginning for us. Um, so looking forward to getting that opportunity again against them or a very well coached Quinnipiac team. Yeah. I was going to say Quinnipiac, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was now that they went to the elite eight. Was Mm -hmm. it about four or five years ago? I believe it was four or five. Uh, yeah. Very talented team. And I remember, I mean, it was so funny. So when I first got here, my second season, we were trying to schedule them, and they couldn't even schedule us because our RPI was so bad. I remember this conversation. Which <laughs> is hysterical coming full circle. And yeah. like they're, I know they're, they're at the time, he's now the head coach at LaSalle, but um, Mountain McGilvery, who was their associate head coach and um, scheduling coordinator, he was like, Meg, I, I know you guys are going to be good. He's like, I'm sorry to have to do this, but we can't schedule you. <laughs> that is crazy. I know. I, I guess it had like, something to do with the conference, it right? Was. The, there was yeah. a conference. And in their contract, there was a rule about the average RPI amongst all the teams you play in that conference. Because right. yeah. they're trying to get their conference to be a two-bid, three-bid conference, right? Yep. So uh, at the time, it's really funny looking back on it now, thinking about that. But, you know. We won't Here have any problems with that. No, next year. no, we won't. Well, <laughs> not we at least won't. with you'll have some other scheduling problems where some yes. of the bigger teams may not want to play you. Yes. Uh, but in terms of mid-major teams, like I, that's what I feel like about this WNIT. There are so many good mid-major programs For in sure. this tournament. For sure. I mean, yes, there's also like the you know every conference gets an auto bid, so there's also the auto bids from each of the power conferences, and some of the at-large bids go to the power conferences too. But I do feel like this tournament does a really good job in selecting teams, like. They're trying to get the best teams possible, but also mm-hmm. there's a lot of really good mid-major teams in this tournament, and a lot a lot of teams that maybe we, we you know wouldn't get the chance to play during the regular season that we now get the chance to play. And the fur- the more games you win, the further you advance. Mm-hmm. You know, the more of those kind of teams you get to play. Yeah, definitely. We you know looking at the field across the entire WNIT 
it was like I was like wow like I was impressed by all the schools like sometimes you forget right because you're mm-hmm. like so in the weeds with your season with your conference and I'm like oh dang Towson like Seton Hall like you know just the, some of the regional teams and then you look on the west coast and I'm like I haven't thought about them yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. you know I saw it, some uh, teams from the American Athletic Conference like there's yeah, quite a few in there too for sure and that's where I came from so I was excited yeah. to see that yeah like a oh, lot yeah, of top 100 don't. teams yeah which is not yeah <laughs> so it's I agree the field um, was very well chosen I think uh, like I said I'm looking forward to getting the keep playing here what's uh what's the keys to uh the continued success well uh staying focused on us you know with these quick turnarounds you can plan and scout for a team but it's almost more like non-conference less conference play i think in conference there's so much detailed scouting so many nuances go into how you're covering this person and what they like to do and i think you have to focus much more on larger concepts and quicker turnarounds but also i will say with that our team is in a way better place now in position to be able to handle okay we're going to do this in this situation so there's a little bit of that but again remembering like our identity and playing to our strengths will be really important and meg i'm going to pat you on the back a little bit here uh (laughs) me to turn around yeah yeah yeah. turn around (laughs) you can help me out um but 140 games now into your coaching career and the the overall record is right i mean back up to 70 and 70 which doesn't sound like a lot maybe to somebody who's new to the program from the outside but when you look at the trend of year one to here you know over you look at you know a coach's uh record you know the progression that's what Mm -hmm. that's the word i was looking for (laughs) uh you know you've really started to see the turnaround and it, it 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 feels like it happened kind of quickly, right? But it, but it didn't, because as we've talked about before, you had that, you had that first season. You inherited a lot of seniors yep. uh, in that class who had a very successful non-conference season, struggled in Ivy League play, and then you know you had your first year as you're trying, to, you're trying to start recruit your kid. Your own kids really aren't yes. even here yet in that, yes. in that next year. But then we we talk about the 2018-19 season, mm-hmm. and we talked about this on this last road trip. Same amount of wins that year as the year before, eight wins, but it was such a different feel. Yes. Uh, I think you went four and 10 in the Ivy League that year and were much more competitive. Mm-hmm. And then the big swing happens the next year, the, which wound up being the COVID year. Yes. Going 17 and 10, setting all kinds of records that year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And eight and six, eight and six in the Ivy League with a six game Ivy League winning streak. And now this year, I mean, this year is going to be hard to match next year. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So, I mean, just talk about where this program is now compared to your first day that you walked in the door here. Wow. That is, I haven't <laughs> thought about that in a while. Uh, I think I've been thinking about just like where we've come from the year before, the year before that, or that, you know, but to think about it and take it in all six seasons. You know, when I, getting, taking, getting this job and taking this job, well, one, like, you know, I think that, you know, I, I hadn't been a head coach anywhere, right? So I hadn't had the chance to run a program and, but I got to see this place really up close and personal from the outside because I was in the league. And, you know, Peter Pilling and, and Joe Quinlan, they took a major chance on me being a young head coach with no head coaching experience. 31 years old at the time. I was 31 wow. years old at the time. <laughs> and, um, you know, coming back home was, was, you know, I don't know if it was necessarily like a dream come true. I didn't really know what my next step was, but, like, I knew I wanted to be able to, like, have this opportunity and do it somewhere. And doing it at home, I think, is part of that dream part, right? And, so walking in the door, like I knew exactly what we were dealing with, like just from a the landscape, right? Which is such a big head start here. Oh, like, huge! Anybody, I mean, that, totally. Anybody, anybody from the outside would kind of doesn't really know. That totally, is a huge Kyle. head start here. Absolutely. I mean, Columbia is it's an amazing place, and Peter always says it's it's extremely complex at the same time, and you need to know how to like 
work around things and get to the right people and who to talk to and, and network. And it's New York City. Like New York is, you have to embrace it for all of its flaws and all of the beauties of it. Um, and so I always thought this place, you know, at Columbia, I thought our program would be a winning program, but it needed the right leadership. Um, and honestly, like I will say, and this is part of me being very confident, um, and I have to thank my parents for that probably, but uh, I knew I would figure it out. I just knew it. I knew I knew I was the right person for the job. I told him in the interview, I was like, you are not going to find somebody that's going to outwork me in this position or know this place better and how to be successful at an Ivy League institution. That was what I really learned at Princeton is like what it took. Yeah. Because we were, you know, um, Courtney and her staff had built an amazing program there. And I was up close and personal doing all of the admissions, the financial aid, like all those things that took to get the right people there. So like I knew what was ahead of me and the challenges. And then I just, I had to hire the right people, which wasn't always the easiest part of it, but you know, Tyler Cordell and now Greg Rosnick, they've been with me for five and six years. And um, I've had great additions ever since then and people that really believed in what we were doing. And I just think you win with people, right? So like fast forward six years, having the two of them still by my side, yeah. um, you by my side, oh, Kyle, hey, <laughs> Tamara, you know, Matt Herhall, our strength coach, Tamara, our strength, um, you know, our athletic trainer. Like we've, you, we've had consistent messaging this whole time and that has been so invaluable to where our success is now. Yeah. Yeah. With that consistency, though, what have you seen evolve or what did you change? Is there anything or has it been the same game plan since day one, six years ago? Definitely not the same game plan. <laughs> I will say, like, I don't think I've changed much as a as like what my core values and like who I am as a person. Mm -hmm. um, I would say I'm I'm a I'm a hard coach. Yeah, uh, I think our players all would say that I'm not. I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. Um and I just believe in like you earn everything you get, right? So that's the approach we take with our team and our staff. Like even our staff will tell you during COVID, like they were working just as hard as we were if we were in season. Um, maybe not the same hours. <laughs> we were all cooking dinner a little bit more. But, uh, you know, I don't really know if I've changed. I've learned a ton though. Like I've made a lot of mistakes, but the ability to learn and be supported here and and know how to figure it out. Like I'm, I really believe in seeking solutions and not just to, like talking about problems. Uh, I think has helped us grow as a staff here. And next year, I don't want to, I mean, we got to talk about next year a little bit. This year is still going. Absolutely. And with the goal, I mean, the WNIT, Absolutely. maybe be raising on April 2nd, raising a trophy. That would be, you know, talking ahead. But <laughs> next year, every almost the whole team comes back, you yes. know? So how exciting is that for you to see what they did this season mm -hmm. and just know that they haven't even hit their potential yet? I mean, it's very exciting. Um, I have thought about that quite a lot. And like, you know, m the biggest goal for me is just like making sure we sustain the kind of culture that we've built and also continue to keep our team hungry to perfect the details. That's the one thing that's honestly been missing from this group is just like the detail oriented things that I think programs that have sustained success over years are really good at. Um, and it has nothing to do with like how we treat each other. I think our team does that really well. And that is really important, like locker room culture. But like the details on the court, the details with the scout, the details with just like handling your everyday things, right? So that you can be the best version of yourself at practice, in the classroom, with your family, whatever it is. Those are all the things for me that we need to continue focusing on. And we have a long ways to go there. Good. I, I just feel like it'll be an interesting shift because I think it was Sienna that we had on the podcast and she talked about how at first it was like you were the underdogs and you had that chip on your shoulder yeah. and now it's evolving into, no, we are the team to beat. Yeah. So I feel like that mindset is going to be now you guys are no longer underdogs mm -hmm. you did all of this this season and now it's just 
what do we do to make this a sustainable program of a winning culture? There's still, still little to succeed, though. There's still one one final <laughs> hurdle <laughs> to get over. <laughs> to go over so, yeah. yeah. I mean, and speaking to that, like, I think we've talked about that. Like, we haven't arrived yet. Like, we have done a lot of things that are groundbreaking for this program, but mm-hmm. not groundbreaking, like, in large scale, large scope for the league and competitors in our league. And then also nationally, like, we have a long way to go to be the mm-hmm. program that I envisioned that we could be. So, Again, that's just about us staying focused, making sure our team stays hungry and humble throughout that growth process. But, you know, we haven't really been too high or too low with any of the records we've been breaking this year. Like, I told our team they would do that when they got here. And, you know, it's not like I am have a fortune ball and, I, you know, a fortune teller <laughs> and I could, like, cast the, you know, say, oh, this is what's going to happen and shake my magic eight ball. But it's it, it's really just the buy-in across the board that has allowed us to do this. Um, and, like, if you ask any of them, they're like, coach, isn't this what we were supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So I just feel like we need to continue telling them the things that we're supposed to achieve and how to do it. And I feel like that's such a motivating factor when you tell <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. When you tell them uh, this is what's going to happen, this is what we're going to be like, you know, obviously as you're recruiting players and trying to get them here, but then to for them, some of them to mm-hmm. only be like freshmen and sophomores and seeing it happen, mm-hmm. that's got to be like huge like such a motivating factor to be like this like this is this is where I should be. Like this is this is the way mm-hmm. to keep going. For sure. Yeah. No, it's been a, it's been really valuable. Like in the recruiting process, which I think is so important to like who we continue to be. We gotta get the right people here. Like we don't we don't fluff anything. Like we tell you exactly how it's gonna be. We tell you how you're gonna earn your playing time. We tell you what your four year plan is here. And but we also tell you like it's not gonna be given to you. Like you have to make sure that you're going out and doing all these things to make sure that you get what you want and where you want to go. Uh so just again, I think being really straightforward has been has really been beneficial to us. Um, and we've, again, had a lot of support and, you know, I think Columbia has done a great job at like helping us with that mission. You talk about the buy-in one to th- one to 15 on this team. Let's talk about some of those players that maybe some fans don't really know that well, right? We probably had them on this podcast this year because we've, I think we've had everybody at this <laughs> well, point. Well, we didn't publish everyone. So I've been uh, trying to right. get Katie, Katie back on the pod. Katie, Katie actually never, she was on, but we didn't publish yeah. the episode. Okay. You're right. Oh, you're sorry. Right. I don't know if I was allowed. No, it's okay. It's okay. Katie, she, if you're listening, <laughs> you're coming back on the <laughs> podcast. Maybe we'll the season recap. But I mean, the people know the Caitlin Davis, like the the casual fan knows mm-hmm. the Caitlin Davis is the Abby Shue, Sienna Durr, the Kayla Markham's been around a long time. Jada Patrick has kind of evolved into this, you know, player that she's become at this point. But who are the players behind the scenes in practice every day on the scout team doing, you know, doing what it takes for this team to be hopefully one day, a championship team? Mm-hmm. I think it starts, honestly, with Madison Hardy and Lillian Kennedy. Uh, well, Lil's a, a captain. I think a lot of people That's know right. who Lil is. Yep. And and I know like she hasn't had like on-court career that she has wanted. Like She's been battling injuries since literally before she even got here. Yep. And um, this it was really hard. The COVID year was really hard for her. It was really difficult just to find the support that she needed to stay healthy. Um, but she's done a great job battling back. But I just think the consistency of both her and Madison Hardy – have been has been like astronomically like a large impact on our team so like you know they just show up every day with the right mindset of like you know making sure everybody's in check but at the same time like keeping it light and competitive which we talk about so much like with a workman's like like mindset that our team has like we work and we work hard Mm -hmm. like to make sure that you're enjoying that process and competing at the same time um so they bring a lot of like joy to practice but also like they know the fine line of like no we're working as well um, they have been super consistent throughout the season. Like whatever role it is, it's like Madison, we need to be the best player in scout today. Got it, coach. Give me the Jersey. Like 
I need you to do this on the bench. Okay, I got it. We're all over it. You know, Lil, make sure you say this to the team in the huddle. Okay, like they're just they're other they're coaches like for us. They're not they're like a extension of our staff. So those two in particular have stood out to me. Um, and you know, and then like even players like you know like Paige Lauder, um, you know, who's a sophomore on our team. She, she hasn't played a ton this season. She had like one breakout performance for us against Ryder earlier in the year when we needed her. But like every day, no complaints. She's always getting extra work in the gym. She's missed a lot of playing because of injury in high school and then also the COVID year here as her freshman year. But like every day shows up with a smile on her face and it's like, what do you need me to do, coach? Just so eager. Um, and I think she's going to have a bright career here, you know? So those are some of the players I think for sure that stand out in my mind. I saw the, uh, you know, talk a little bit of NCAA tournament here, but the press conference that's been talked about a lot with Shaheen Holloway from St. Peter's saying – it made me. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going to go with this, and Absolutely. I feel I'm going to ask you if you feel the same way because I feel like you do. Um, where he said, uh, you know, practices are hard. Like the, what I put these guys through every day in practice, <laughs> that's the hard part. He's mm -hmm. like, so when we come out here to play the game, like that's fun. That's you yeah. know, not necessarily. I think he said easy. I mean, no game is easy, but that's the fun part, For sure. right? For sure. I feel like your program, <laughs> sort of similar. Yeah. But I'm going to let you speak to that. Yeah, I always I say that to them. I'm like, our practices will be harder than games so that, like, your training is what you fall back on from practices. Like, you don't just show up for the games and the lights are on. Yeah. Like, that's – anybody can do that, right? Like, you're on TV, you know, mom's watching. No, like, you got to, like, every day enjoy that process of growth and challenge, and it's going to be hard. Like, even the day before we played Old Dominion, like, we were running sprints because of something, you mm -hmm. know, like – and they know, like, but they step up to that challenge and they accept it and they embrace it. And because we've embraced the hard moments along with the good ones, I think that is what made has made us really good in practice every day. But yeah, no, like they know, like practices aren't easy. Like even our returners will tell you, like Columbia practice, like you got to be ready for that. You got to be in shape. You got to yeah. show up on day one and be ready to go. So yeah, we've we've definitely, um, I think, gotten better. And the better that we've gotten with recruiting, like one through 15 is contributing. It's not just your first eight and your first, you know, like we don't even, some days we don't even bring our practice scout in because we know that we can go to battle with the 15 that we got. Leah, you got anything to add to that? Nothing Aaliyah, to add to that. Aaliyah, I think what I heard is that you want to, go through a columbia practice oh let's what go I yeah i did tell coach at the beginning of the year i wish i was on the team <laughs> um, and technically i've i mean i'm not on the team but i got to travel with you guys that's so that, right. that was fun that's that counts right. for something that's right you so, did a great job at the ivy league tournament thank you uh, you did too we very much appreciated your assistance and all the content that we got up there my wife is calling me and i'm gonna call her back <laughs> <I can't. laughs> but um coach i know you got to get going but mm -hmm. This is fun. Yeah, let's absolutely. keep it. Let's keep it rolling. Let's do it. Yeah, let's we're keep ready. it rolling. We got four so more rounds uh, here. let's let's do it. We the again, as we said, we're recording this podcast on Monday. It will be posted on Tuesday, and then you all will know who we're playing. <laughs> but uh, you know, we hope we hope we're playing here. If not here, either at BC or Quinnipiac, yes. and to ready the to, uh, to hopefully the Elite Eight and maybe the Final Four of the WNIT. One yep. game at a time. One game at a time. But that was head coach Megan Griffith in her sixth season here at Columbia. Once again, we want to thank Coach Griffith for coming on and joining us here today. It was very, it was, it, it was good. I, you know, I, I'm glad that we got her on the podcast once this year. Oh, me too. I told you this before, like when we were at the Ivy League tournament. I just like cling on to every word she says. She's just so moving, even without trying to be. So I'm like. I know. Yes. I'm surprised she didn't. You didn't like. <laughs> I don't even know where I was going with that. Tussle. You didn't cling on to her, and she walked out the door. You didn't just go with her. <laughs> no, but I, I. She's seriously the best, especially like 
me being an athlete, like growing up an athlete in this sport, like it's just like awesome to see a coach like her and to be able to work so closely with her. So, And hopefully they keep this run going. Women's basketball in the WNIT will be playing either Boston College or Quinnipiac Wednesday or Thursday this of this week. So much unknown. This is driving yes. me nuts, but uh, that's March. That's March. That's the madness of March. Yes, sir. Uh, but... For Aliyah Funshell, I'm Kyle Matrician. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Morningside Hoops podcast. You can catch this podcast and all of our other all of our other Columbia Athletics podcasts on all of your favorite podcast out, uh, networks out, outlets. What do you what would you call them? Outlets? You know what, Kyle? I don't think you should ask me because one podcast I close <laughs> it. I'm like, well, if you're listening to this, you obviously know where to find. You obviously us. <laughs> know where to find it. I think it's probably the best way. <laughs> Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher. What other ones? Wherever you catch your podcast, <laughs> we're there. And if we're not, send us an email. Send us an email. P pilling. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, on that note, we're gonna go. Uh, thank you for listening this week, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs> <I'm> sorry. <laughs>